Amen and amen. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Good to see you today. We're glad that you've come to be a part of worship today. Tell you what, would you give our praise band a round of applause for how the Lord has used them today in worship. Thank you so much. I'm going to get you to grab your Bibles if you would and find Exodus chapter 11. There are 10 verses in Exodus 11. We're going to read all 10 verses and also look at maybe some other verses that are around there as we're continuing our study of uh, through Moses and uh, hope that this is a time that has helped us to be able to understand how the Lord has certainly purpose and meaning in all things that happen and he is always at work. We're going to discover more of that today. But we're glad you're here. Some of you I have seen here today. It's happened every Sunday for the past five weeks, I guess, that I've not seen since March 12th. At least that's when the pandemic started. So good to see some of your smiling faces back again today. And we realize, while this is the largest crowd, I guess, that we've had in four or five weeks, we know that there are just as many, maybe double that, that are watching online. So we welcome those who are live streaming with us today and still worshiping from home. And we are encouraging you, of course, to be able to worship at home. Come back when you can. And we look forward. We'll probably go back to two services probably maybe in July, unless something just deems it even necessary before that. But we'll be looking forward to that. You pray for us as we continue to move forward. We want this to be the safest as well as the place that you can come and feel God's presence and the Spirit be filled here in this room. So we look forward to that every Sunday that you come. Lots of new faces that we've seen. We appreciate you coming. We welcome you here today. We have online a connection card. If you'd like some information that we can send you about our church and kind of be a part of what our emails are going. You can go online to our website, fill, fill out a connection card, also a place there for prayer requests. Some of you have been doing that, and we uh, spend time in prayer most every day, but uh, particularly during our staff times, and we'll pray for you if you have prayer needs and helps us to keep in touch. So we want to encourage you in those things uh, as well. Uh, but as we look today, we're preparing for, we are observing uh, the Lord's Supper today. We're talking about the Passover that happened, of course, in Exodus chapter 12. We're beginning Exodus 11 today, so we are observing the Lord's Supper today. You will find those there, there before you in the seats. You don't have to worry about getting them now. We're going to give you opportunity to do that. If you're at home, you missed the email that said perhaps prepare for the Lord's Supper at home. Well, you've got time. Uh, there will not be a commercial break, but I bet your kitchen is not far. And so if you want to get some kind of liquid, whether it be water or cherry Coke or whatever it might be, and find you some crackers or something, we're inviting all believers to participate here as well as at home uh, also. And so we're in Exodus chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading here in verse 1. This now is the word of God. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor, for silver and gold and jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of the people. So Moses says, Thus said the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt. And every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind in the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. You who are in Christ, you have a story worth telling. My first international trip, I was a sophomore in college, and my roommate was a graduate student in uh, the biology department. He actually taught labs, and he comes in one day, and he said, uh, he said, we've got 10 people that are going two weeks to the Amazon rainforest in the science and biology department, but one has dropped out, so we got, we got 10 people going. One's dropped out, so it makes nine, so we have room for one more. Why don't you go? Well, in those days, I never asked why not, just why, or maybe I asked why not, why not instead of why. So I remember going, and I remember, of course, I'm 19 years old, and I remember going to tell my saying to my parents, said, I think I'm going to the Amazon rainforest. All I need are shots and malaria pills and a passport and money. Oh, yeah, and I need you to sign something. And I can remember it because I can remember my parents particularly kind of laughing at that. And they said, sure you are. said, well, I tell you what, you get all the other stuff, and we'll sign the papers. Ten days later, I drove to Miami, got on the plane, and was on my way to Peru. And we were on the Amazon in one of those small open-air boat stayed for eight days, no running uh, water, no electricity, went deep into the jungle and saw fish for piranha, saw lots of animals, and even saw some uh, primitive Peruvian Indians. In fact, there were children there that had never seen people as white as we were, and they were fascinated by it. Every day we'd come in and we would talk about, or those who are in the biology and science department, they would talk about all the plants and the animals and the species and all the things that they saw in the Amazon rainforest. And it was fascinating to listen, but in truth, I was just having a good time. And I thought this will be an easy science grade without having actually to sit in class. But, uh, but it was a great time in which we had to be able to go. And coming back, it's been a great story to tell my children and to others. And as a matter of fact, for many years, I would go to our elementary school and I would talk to them about the Amazon rainforest as if I were an expert. And I guess maybe the first and second graders, maybe I was able to pull it off. Well, great story to tell. Can I tell you today, there's a greater story to tell that you have if you are in Christ, and that is that you have been born again because of who Christ is. He's forgiven you of sin. He's given you life anew today, made you a new person in Christ, and you have everlasting life because of what Jesus Christ has done and because of the price that he paid for us on the cross. It is the greatest story. You have a story in Jesus worth telling. Well, here we have in our story in Exodus, one of the greatest stories of, in all the Old Testament. It's repeated, one of the most repeated stories told in the Old and New Testament as well as many, many times, of course, since then. God tells Moses to tell God's people to repeat the story that is happening to them for the next generation and beyond. Just to catch you up, we've been telling the story of Moses for the past few weeks, and we've got a few more weeks to go before we will finish with the story of Moses. But last week we talked about the nine plagues that came upon the Egyptian people because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And today we talk about the tenth plague. In fact, we find in Exodus chapter 11 that God is telling Moses what's going to happen. Hasn't happened yet. Happens in Exodus chapter 12. 
In fact, in Exodus chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, if you've picked up some notes on the way in or they may be on the screen, but God tells people to repeat the story that's happening to them. In Exodus 12, 27 and 28, it says, When your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. And then again in Exodus chapter 13, he says again in the days to come, when your son asks you what does this mean, say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's a story to tell to every generation, maybe your children particularly, and maybe to generations beyond. And there's a greater story that we've already talked about that will be we need to tell as well. In fact, I meant to say this earlier in the services or as I came up. We love children. Let me just take this opportunity to say we love children and probably got more children here than we've had, and uh, we're glad your children are here. We're going to start maybe for preschoolers, maybe a little bit of limited uh, child care time in the service beginning next week, but uh, feel free to bring your children in. We're not expecting them to be perfect moms and dads, so you don't either, and don't worry about any distractions. We'll just move along with the show, and we're glad that you've come as well today. Can we spend just a few moments now talking about the description of the Israelites and why they have a story to tell. First of all, they have a story to tell because the Israelites were a distinct people. God chose the people of Israel as his very own. And when God told Moses a result of the tenth plague and what was going to happen, we read it just a moment ago, verses 6 and 7 of Exodus 11. It says, There shall be a cry, great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But verse 7 says, Nobody not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Egypt almost always represents the world. It does so as uh, other writers in the Scripture tell us about Egypt. And Israelites are God's people. God does make a difference between His people and the world. Now, the Israelites who had been slaves for 430 years, seemingly insignificant people, perhaps, except for maybe their large number, but God made a distinction. They had not been forgotten. Though it had been a long time, over 400 years, that they had been in Egypt, it teaches us that God never forgets His people. In verse 6, it says there will be a great cry in Egypt. Some of the translations say there will be a great wailing in Egypt that takes place. As a matter of fact, it's the same word that's used of the Israelites when they were being beaten as slaves that they were wailing out to God or that they were crying out to God. But now it's going to be the Egyptians who are crying out. It's going to be the Egyptians where there will be great wailing instead of the Israelites because of what's about to take place. Now, there was nothing about these people which would cause them to deserve to be remembered, but because of God's grace, He was to set them free and to love them because of His choosing. They had a story to tell because God had chose to show the world that there's a difference and they were a distinct people. Yet we know that God wants to call all people to Himself. But also Israelites had a story worth telling because the Israelites were saved by the blood of the Lamb. Now here's where the story gets interesting. After the Exodus... Every year they were to have a festival where they ate unleavened bread, sacrificed an unblemished male lamb, and they catch the blood of the lamb. And when the children of the family asked, why do you do this? Then God said, will you tell the story of the nine plagues of Egypt, the mighty acts of God done while the people were slaves in Egypt, but a hard-hearted Pharaoh would not let God's people go. 
And then there was a next plague until the next generation where God visited the land of Egypt and destroyed went into every home and killed the firstborn because of the wickedness of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But God had told the Israelites if they would sacrifice a one-year-old unblemished male lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of their homes that the destroyer would, while they would go to the Egyptians' house, they would pass over that which had been of the Israel's house. And at midnight, when the destroyer struck the Egyptians' house, there was great wailing and crying. But in the place where the Israelites lived, there was silence, not even the barking of a dog. Not only were they saved from death, but they were also set free from slavery. Being saved by the blood of the Lamb is a story worth telling, even in the Old Testament. Well, the Israelites also they had a story to tell because the Israelites were ready to go. It becomes an interesting story because of the way in which God's people were ready to go. In chapters 11 and 12, there's really three sections there. There's chapter 11, the first part of chapter 12, to where God's telling Moses what's about to happen. And then in the first part there, the middle part of chapter 12, we find the Israelites are being told what's about to happen from Moses. Moses is telling the Israelites what's going to happen. And then the Passover actually takes place there in chapter 12. Well, read verses 26 and 28 if you've got your Bibles open. We read a couple of these just a moment ago. Chapter 12, verse 26 says this. It says, And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So we have here, Exodus chapter 12, Moses is telling the people of Israel what's about to happen. And it says the people of Israel, what did they do? They bowed and worshipped. Now, bowing is it's just a gesture of submission. They're submitting themselves to God, what's happening and what needs to be done. And then worship. As worship should always do, it's a sign of readiness to serve God, readiness to go and worship or to go and serve. Every time we come to worship, it should be a sign of readiness. Verse 28 verifies, it says, they went out then, the last verse we read a moment ago, they went out and they did what God had told them to do. And that night they ate unleavened bread, bread without yeast, without yeast. Chapter 12 and verse 11 says, they ate with a belt on their waist, sandals on their feet and a staff in their hand because they needed to be ready to go when God called or when Pharaoh let them go and drove them out. And though they'd been there for a long time, Egypt was not their home. They had a home promised to Abraham, land flowing with milk and honey, a land that had been promised to them, a land where they would not be slaves but God's people, where they were to be a light to the world. Who'd not be ready for that? Well, their story was a story worth repeating. But it doesn't end there. The story's also worth repeating because the Israelites were part of a great exodus. Thus, this is where the book gets its name. The departure of the Israelites that had been estimated between one to two million people that were coming out of the country of Egypt. We estimate that because the Scripture tells us there were 600,000 fighting men. It's one of the most dramatic exits in history. And for the importance of the Israelite people, we might compare it to our own country, that the signing of the Declaration of Independence or the Emancipation Proclamation. But it's much more dramatic in that it was by the hand of God. 
But just as every school child learns the United States about George Washington and the Revolutionary War, Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War, every Jewish child and every student of the Bible learns about this event, this exodus that takes place. And before they left, they asked from the Egyptian neighbors articles of gold and silver and clothing, and because they had gained great favor from the Egyptian people and because of the plagues they were glad to give it. Well, in great battles, winners and losers are often known by who is it that took off with the treasures of their enemy. Those who were slaves in Egypt left with great riches, payment due perhaps for services rendered. It was a great day of celebration for the long-awaited deliverance had come to pass. In fact, God had told Abraham in the book of Genesis said that his people would be taken to a foreign land where they would stay for 400 years. But after that 400 years was over, they would then be released from slavery from that land in which they were told. It was told in Genesis. It was prophecy that was taking place. And in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 41, it says that they were delivered 430 years to the day. They were called slaves while in Egypt. But notice in, the ver in this verse, they're called the armies or the army of the Lord when they leave. The Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord will not be put to shame. It's a story worth repeating, mainly because the story of the Israelites, mainly because the Israelites were told to remember what God has done. To remember what God has done. That they were told several times. I know we're going back and forth and looking at maybe different verses and different chapters, but I want you to notice these particular verses, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14. It says, This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast. Verse 17, same chapter. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day as the throughout your generation as a statute forever. Verse 24, you shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. It was a night, verse 42, it was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Well, the Lord repeated it several times because it was a day that they were not to forget. It was a day in which they were also to be ready to share to be able to tell not only to their children, but to all those who needed to know and to all generations. It was truly a story to tell for generations to come. But you know there's another story to tell. We've already talked about it, alluded to it. It's a story that's illustrated by the story that we're talking about and that we've been reading in Exodus 11 and 12. The story of the Passover in Exodus points to the story of how Jesus changes and redeems people from their sins. For all who become followers of Christ are able to place their faith in Him. We're no longer slaves to sin or to this world or to our selfish desires. But instead, we are able to live new life in Christ. We're free from that slavery so that we might be able to be obedient, be able to follow Him. He offers us hope, new life, and a home in heaven. And Jesus has made this possible through the death, burial, and resurrection. Later in the service, we're going to celebrate the Passover as is it interpreted by Jesus. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, it says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
So I want you to understand some of the very same things that the Israelites were told to do about the Passover time and time again, tell the next generation, tell your people, proclaim it to all people, observe the Passover. Well, we're told to do that today. We're observing the Passover as interpreted by the Lord Jesus, as understood by what Christ has done. We're proclaiming that today even by our partaking. We're sharing it with others. Well, why do you as followers of Christ, have a story to tell. It's because you are a distinct and chosen people. You might notice some similarities between Israelites, God's people, and God's people today who are followers of Christ. Acts says the people of the way were first called Christians in Antioch, meaning little Christ or followers of Christ. In fact, the word ecclesia or church means called out ones, that we are distinct, separated from this world. In Romans 12, it says that we are transformed. We're to be transformed, not to be conformed to this present world. And if there's some influence that needs to take place, well, it's the church, it's God's people today who needs to do the influencing in the world today. We need to be the salt and the light. And while the invitation is whosoever will may come, those who accept Christ as Lord and Savior are called out for a purpose. We studied Romans, oh, I guess it was last year or so, but we came to Romans chapter 8, and we, verse 30, and we came to this verse. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Just as God told Moses, so says the New Testament, the Lord does make a difference. He does make a distinction. Jesus said so in the parables such as the wheat and the tares, sometimes called the wheat and the weeds. Jesus talked about also about the difference that will take place in the end. We'll separate the sheep from the goats and to the sheep. He'll say, well done, faithful servant to the goats. He'll say, depart from me for I never knew you. The Bible calls you and me Christ followers. If you follow the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're now called the new Israel, holy nation, a royal priesthood. And while whosoever will may come, all who do are considered chosen by the grace of God for chosen to be kingdom builders. This is it's not a reason to brag on oneself. It's only a reason to brag on Jesus because it's through, not through our own doing or nothing that we deserve, but only by the grace of our Lord Jesus. But just like the Israelites in Exodus, you've been saved and sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. You know that God knows, and of course you know, God knows history from beginning to end. He knew what was going to take place in Exodus. He knew what Christ was going to do for us on the cross. He knows what's going to take place. So what was taking place in the Exodus pointed to what Jesus Christ was doing for us and that he is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist certainly confirmed the fact when he pointed to Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Philip the evangelist, when he called up with the Ethiopian who was on the desert road and was reading from the book of Isaiah, he read, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Then he preached Jesus to him. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, You were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or spot. And then John the disciple wrote in Revelation chapter 5, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And then again in Revelation chapter 14, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb stands on Mount Zion. 
we might bring masks and extra sanitizer to church anymore now, but we do not bring lambs or sheep any longer because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And just as they sprinkled blood on the wooden doorpost and the lintel of their homes, the blood has been sprinkled on the wooden cross of Calvary. And just as they were told to stay behind the doors when the midnight destroyer comes and you will be safe, we're told to hide behind the cross of Christ so that we might be able to be safe in Him. We're set free from the power of death and sin. We no longer have to fear the destroyer, redeemed to live a new life with Christ forever. And you have a new story to tell if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because your name's been written in whose book of life? It's the Lamb's book of life. The blood of the Lamb has saved you from death and the everlasting punishment of sin. But it's also sanctified you so that you might grow and become more like Christ and continue His work as the body of Christ. You live for Jesus and you love and serve others. Not so that you might gain acceptance, but simply out of the joy that you have found in knowing Jesus and in your thanksgiving toward Him. Well, you are and you should be. Also, you have a story to tell because you are and you should be ready to go and serve. Like the Israelites in Egypt, this is not your home. Jesus says that He's prepared for you a home in heaven. He will return to take you there one day. We're not to put down too many stakes down here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And your treasure is in heaven if you know Christ because that's where Jesus is that we'll be with Him forever. And we have the Spirit of Jesus living inside of us. In Exodus, they were to keep their traveling clothes on. They were not to add leaven to their bread. No time for the yeast to rise. Unleavened bread in the Bible often represents that which is without evil. If you're without yeast, it represents being without evil. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He was talking about be aware of their false teachings and their evil. You're ready yourself but not by not adding worldliness to your life. Every day, confessing sin and instead adding the things of God. So you're ready yourselves by being in the Word. Uh, it may be that some people who dislike Bible study or they really think it's just really kind of too boring to read and study the Bible even sometimes with others. It may mean that they're simply not ready to go when God says go. It may mean that they need to have their spiritual traveling clothes on. When the Israelites heard the word from Moses about what was about to happen, they, they bowed and they worshiped. They were ready to follow and to serve. And when Christians do not put a priority on worship, it's often because they're not ready to serve and to follow Him. Now, we look forward to the day that all people will feel comfortable coming back to worship. We're looking forward to the day that we truly can see everybody that we hadn't seen before the pandemic in the Lord's house. That day hadn't come quite yet, but we look forward to that day. But I'm, I'm your pastor, and I love you, and I want to share with you. I want you to understand because I want you to be careful. Don't let these unprecedented days cause you to lose focus. Continue, and maybe even more so, to put a priority on your personal worship and on corporate worship, how important it is that we do 
these very things. May we enjoy worshiping together to bring praise and may it be because we're reporting for duty. Your presence here today in this worship service and worshiping there at home, may it be an indicator that you're ready, that you're getting ready and being prepared so that you might serve the Lord the rest of this week, so that you might be ready to call and follow Him, not only today, but in the days to come. We'll be ready to go, obey, and serve. And also you're ready when the time comes to travel to your real home. If Jesus were to come back today, if this were to be your last day on earth, would you be ready? Well, if the answer is yes, then you have a story worth telling. If the answer is no, or not sure, then we encourage you today to take the opportunity of what we're doing here today, that you've come to this very place because the Lord wants you to know that you have a home in heaven and that you can be ready, whether you're at home or whether you're here today, that the Lord has brought you to this time and place so that you can be sure. But also we have a story to tell because you've been delivered and you'll be part of a great exodus. You've been delivered, you'll be part of a great exodus. We might want to repeat it again, I guess, that injustice is wrong, racism is sin. We stand on the side of justice and we stand on the side of, of certainly those things that we know please and honor God and are biblical and are true. Can I say at the same time, maybe it's a good time for us to say how much we appreciate our first responders. We appreciate our police officers and we appreciate all those who are in law enforcement. We have many who are part of Parkway Baptist Church who are in law enforcement, and we appreciate all of these and appreciate the good job in which they do. Having said that, I'm going to tell you a story of one encounter. Uh, it's been several years ago, but I was pulled over by a police officer. Actually, it's two police officers and two cars. Every now and then I run into somebody that say they've never been pulled over by a police officer. I kind of find that amazing. Now, this has been a long time since I've been pulled over, but it wasn't the first time. The police officer... Comes to, the, uh, comes to the window and first one says, uh, where are you going in such a hurry? Um, and I'll tell you, now I didn't feel so much as a teenager, but as an adult, I just continue to feel an appreciation. If I have to get a ticket, I have to get a ticket. I've slowed down since. This has been a while. But he said, where are you going in such a hurry? I said, I'm going to the hospital. He said, oh, are you sick? I said, no. He, no, sir. He said, uh, do you have a family member that's sick? I said, no, sir. He said, well, why are you going to the hospital? I said, well, I'm a pastor, which I was a little embarrassed. He pulled me over anyway, but he said, I'm a pastor, and I have a parishioner in the hospital that I need to go see. And he paused, and I could tell he was thinking what he was going to do next. And I said, how would you like to be in a sermon illustration this Sunday on grace and forgiveness? <laughs> well, he must have, because he was. The story of God's grace in Christ delivering us from sin and hell, it's no illustration. It is the main event. A great exodus has already taken place if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus because already you have had an exodus from sin, slavery, death, this world. We've been brought so that we might be able to live freely with Him, so that we might be able to know Him and walk with Him, confidence of a home in heaven, be able to know that God, Lord has a purpose and walks with us each and every day. But I'm afraid that there are too many, even believers today, who live as if they are still slaves to this world. Thus the title of our, you know, the, the great escape. We've escaped from all that. 
what's holding you back. There's nothing that needs to hold you back. So let's just determine that we're going to live as if we've already been released, as we've already escaped. We've had a great exodus that has taken place with us. In the story of two million who left Egypt, it's a dramatic one as well. We've already talked about the deliverance from slavery in Egypt to the deliverance of our own slavery to sin and death. But not only have we already, if you're in Christ, you already know that you've, been, you've escaped, you've been released. But there's another great exodus that's going to take place. Listen, if you think this is a great and dramatic thing that took place in Exodus chapter 12, oh, well, we have one that's going to happen that is spectacular. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command of the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive or are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Many people scoff at the notion of Jesus Christ. Well, Pharaoh scoffed at the notion of God. He said, I do not know your God, nor will I let his people go. While some say there is no God and others do not care, there will come a day that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow and every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for some it will be too late. But those who wait upon the Lord will not be put to shame. Jesus was observing the Lord's Supper in Jerusalem, or the Passover in Jerusalem. And they were remembering the Exodus. And he told his disciples that the bread and the cup that were on the table represented the body and the blood which was shed and would be shed for them. And Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me until I come. And even when God told Moses to observe this for all time, it was a word that meant till he speaks again, well, the Lord has spoken again. The Israelites, once a year, they'd go out and build booths or huts out in the fields and live in those huts for one week, eat unleavened bread and bitter herbs and shank bone of a lamb. Why? So that they might remember what God has done and also so that children and others ask, why are we doing this? And they were to repeat the story of the Exodus and the power of God as often as possible. We have a story worth telling because you and I are told to remember and tell all that God has done. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're telling what God has done. When we observe baptism, that person is telling others what God has done. When we observe holy days, not all holidays, but holy days such as Christmas and Easter, it is an opportunity for people to tell, uh, tell, for believers to tell what God has done. When we come together for worship, even when you leave your house and you put on your Sunday go to meeting clothes and you drive your car and you pull into this parking lot, the world is watching. And when they see you show much love and grace to others. It is so that other people might be able to know what God has done. So I want to ask you today, are you living such a life? When you think about your daily routine and what you do and what you do during the week, what you do on the weekend, what you do on Sunday, is it in such a way that people might ask, why do you do what you do? Or even if you do some of these things, are there more opportunities that might even bring open doors so that you might be able to share what God has done? If you don't know Christ today as your Lord and Savior, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper today. And as we observe the Lord's Supper, may this also be a testimony to you. Today, 
Don't wait. Don't put it off. Call upon him. Cry out to the Lord Jesus. Ask Jesus to save you. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Be Savior and Lord of your life. For the Bible says that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We encourage you to do that very thing. And again, we're not having what we call a regular altar call. So we encourage you today. If you're calling upon Jesus, we'd love to hear about it. If you need to make a decision, if you want to join the church, we'd love to hear about it as well. As a matter of fact, before we move to the Lord's Supper, uh, we have Dyke, Mike and Deborah Imfinger who have joined this past week, and we're celebrating that today. And they put them on the front row today, even though you didn't have to come all the way down front. Could you, would you mind standing for just a moment? Just to, Would you wave at them? Great. Let them know that you're glad that they've come and be a part of our worship service together. You may be... If you want to join, you can let us know. We've got a card to fill out for you and also talk with one of our pastors and certainly you'll be ready for that very thing. And In our last five minutes that we're going to have here in a worship service, we're going to encourage you to take part in the Lord's Supper and we're going to sit you back down for the Lord's Supper, but would you stand as we say a word of thanksgiving in preparation? Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and be a part of this service today. We thank you where we believe that you've been at work through our worship service and through the reading proclamation of your word. And now, Father, we come and as a church body and even those who are friends and family members who are believers in the Lord Jesus will partake of the Lord's Supper. Father, we pray that we may not take of it in an unworthy manner, but instead we might first and foremost thank and remember you, thank you for what you have done. So we thank you today, Father for the body and the blood that was given for us so that we might be able to have new life in Christ. We thank you for the grace that's been shown us. We confess our sins. We pray, Father, today, even today, Father, you might be able to help us to see <clears throat> changes that we need to make in our life and we might commit ourselves to you today in the days going forward. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, if you're on the front row, your Lord's Supper has been uh, placed there on the floor. If not, you might need to take a step forward and release that from the holder that's in front of you. You can do that now. Be sure that everyone has one. These were placed there. They've been wiped off. They were placed there with gloved hands. When you get that, you may sit down. Now, not that you need a whole lot of direction, and this is a little bit different, of course, than we usually do. But I'm just going to walk you through this. Notice that there is a tab there. There's actually two tabs. You want to pull the first one first. Did everyone get one? Would you raise your hand and we'll be sure to get you one if you did not get a Lord's Supper. But if you'll pull that first tab off, we're going to partake of this together. You might go ahead and take that uh, wafer that is there. We remember that when Jesus was in the upper room on the night that he was arrested on that Thursday night he took the bread and he said this is my body which was given for you I find it best to go ahead and take that and pull it all the way off. If you don't know what to do with it yet, you just hang on to it with your other hand because you're going to have something to do with it here in just a moment. Scripture tells us that after the supper, he took the cup and he
he said, this is my blood which was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, if you've got a couple of pieces of paper, you may want to just stick those back there in the cup. You may have one or two, and you may just lay those. I'll put that on the floor there that is next to you. Now, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. One of our staff members is going to have some closing announcement for us.